Heavenly Father, as we open our hearts, our minds, and our soul to you now. Father, a story that we have known and heard, may it speak new truth and fresh life into our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When we first started this series on the book of Jonah, I said that we already know the story pretty well. Even if you haven't been in church your whole life, culture has taught us stories about a man who was swallowed by a whale because he was trying to run away from God. And I said if we just focus on the big picture of the story, we might miss out on what God is trying to tell us through the smaller details of the story. And so this morning, we're going to look over this passage once again. And some of you are saying, like, you already talked about that last week. In fact, you've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. But the truth is, is that the Bible, and I've used this metaphor before, and it's not my own. I heard it somewhere. The Bible is like an onion, and you just keep peeling the layers off of an onion, right? So when we come to the scriptures, we can read the same Bible passage time after time after time. And each time, if we are open to it, we will find a new truth or something that we hadn't seen before. So this morning in your bulletin, the Bible says, the Bible, the bulletin says that the title of the sermon is The Judgmental Believer. And that was what the sermon was supposed to be about all week. So as I started preparing and I started reading and I started writing, I already kind of knew where I wanted to go. I already knew that this was the third and final part of the Jonah series, and I knew what that last part was going to be. And so I was working all week to try to get to that. But as God often does, that wasn't what God wanted me to preach this morning. I truly believe that. And so as I was working on this message, I kept coming back to the first couple of verses in John chapter 3, and I kept looking at this, and as I studied, and as I read, and as I thought about that, as the week went on, I, I sensed that God was telling me to focus on John chapter 3, and John chapter 4 could actually wait till another time. The truth is, we may not get to John chapter 4 until January, because we have Thanksgiving series coming up, we have a Christmas series coming up, we have guest preachers coming up, so we may not get to John chapter 4, so God, to Jonah chapter 4, so God just said, just wait, just put it off. So this morning, what we're going to be looking at is Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to see what God has to tell us. So, we don't have a PowerPoint this morning, so if you have a pew Bible in front of you, it's the red Bible, I invite you to open to page 654. That's Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. This morning's sermon should more acceptably be titled, or appropriately titled, When God Comes Calling. An alternative title might be, um, I don't know, that's it. I guess I totally just blanked right now. I am so sorry about that. Whoa. Oh yeah, the second title could be The God of Second Chances. Because if we look at the story of Jonah, God gives Jonah a second chance. And the reason that that's powerful for us is not just because God gave Jonah a prophet a second chance, but God also gives you second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and infinity chances. Because we need all of those chances. And one of the good news about the story of Jonah, at least in chapter 3, because chapter 4 has a whole lot of other things to say, but in chapter 3 what we find is that even though we may mess up and make mistakes and even run away from God, 
when we finally succumb to and surrender to the fact that God was right all along, God will still use you. The Bible is filled with stories of men, yeah, just men, I think women didn't, but men, who continually messed up and made mistakes and turned away from God, and God still was able to use them. Remember the story of Adam in the Garden of Eden? He turns his back on God, and God still blesses him and covers him. Moses murders a man, and God still uses Moses to, to be his mouthpiece and his leader to rescue thousands of Israelites from Egypt. Elijah quit and complained, and God still recommissioned him. Peter denied Jesus three times, and God still uses him in the New Testament and in the early century of the church because God knows that we are going to mess up. God doesn't need you to be perfect for God to be able to use you in God's bigger plan. I think what we'll find in the story of Jonah is that what God does, in a sense, need from us or what we need to do is to just accept the fact when we mess up and surrender and say, God, it was always you all along. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, begins this way. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, if you hear God tell you to do something the first time, don't you think that it's a good idea for you to do it? How many of you um, are parents and have kids or stepkids? For how many of you, when you tell your child to do something, do you expect it to be done when you tell them to? All of us, right? Do you like having to say it a second time? How about a third time? Or a fourth time? I know, some of you are like, my kid wouldn't even get the chance. But if you have stepkids, you know that you have to give them chances. <laughs> but yeah, when God calls you to do something, the idea is that you do it instantly in the moment that you hear it. But I think what happens is that we allow all these other voices in our lives to kind of over or to beat out the voice of God. You see, when God calls you to do something, and I believe that God has called each and every one of you to do something, and it's different for all of us. I believe that if you've accepted Jesus and you are a Christian and you want to live in the flow and in the harmony and in the sync of what God's will is, then God is calling you to do something. But I think as humans, we think of all of the reasons why it's not a good idea to do those things or all of the excuses as to why it not, might not work. And so for Jonah, we remember Jonah ran away. He tried to go as far away as possible um, from what God was telling him to do, but ultimately, God still got his way. Because the truth is that if God wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Whether it's a job, a relationship, a career, whatever it is, I believe that the Bible teaches that if God wants something to happen in your life, it's going to happen. And it may not be the way that you imagined it would be. It may not be as quickly as you would like for it to be. And sometimes when God's will happens in our lives, sometimes it is painful. And it feels like suffering. I mean, you might even have a Jonah event where God sends a whale to swallow you up. And it's dark. And it's painful. And you don't want to be there. But what we find in the story of Jonah is that sometimes for some of us, myself included, we need moments like being swallowed by a whale that are scary and painful 
for God to be able to get our attention before we finally surrender and say, okay, God, your will be done. If we were to tweet a line from the sermon, it would be this, God's patience will always outlast your reluctance. God's patience will always outlast your reluctance to do what God wants you to do. So you could wait your entire life, but if God has that call on your life to do something, God is going to keep pursuing you until you finally accept that this is going to happen. Verse 2 goes on to say, where God tells Jonah what to do, what he has to obey. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. So for Jonah, it was straightforward. Jonah was a prophet. Prophets in the Old Testament were God's spokesmen to all the people. Spokesperson to all the people. And so his message and his calling was simple. Do what I tell you and do it how I tell you to do it. So for Jonah, it was easy. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. First part about this, it was a big city. If you walked from one end to the other end, it would have taken you three days. So what we can gather from the story is that Jonah was preaching for a day. What did Jonah look like? We don't know. So there's some people who say that the acid in a whale could have kind of bleached his skin and maybe fried his hair a little bit. Can't really prove that. Um, but if that did that to his skin, can you imagine what it would have done to his clothes? Not only that, can you imagine what he would have smelled like? I mean, some of you know, you know, what your kids smell like after a day at school, right? So can you just imagine being in a whale for three days? I'm sure he smelled, just period. Who knows what, his, what he was looked like, what his clothes looked like. Regardless of any of that, we don't know. I mean, did he have any money? I, I don't know. Did they have, like, pockets in those things that they wore, the, like dress tunics, whatever? Yeah, I don't know. But what we do know is that regardless of, of, of what he had or what he looked like, Jonah was going through the city of Nineveh, and he was preaching, in 40 days, God will come down and overthrow you. You have 40 days to repent. In a sense, you have 40 days to think about and look at your life and reflect and see what you are going to do. So that's that part. But the part before that where it says that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. You see, for us in 2015, when we hear the word obey, when it comes to the biblical stories and to God, I often hear people say, you know, the reason I don't like going to church or I don't like religion is because all of the rules and regulations, and we have to obey all of them, so the word obey carries this kind of negative connotation today. So this morning, I want to try to redeem it in a way that will make even more sense for us. Because here, Jonah wasn't called to obey any one law. He wasn't called to live a certain way. But here, Jonah was called to obey the calling that God had put on his life. It was in Jonah's calling that God needed him to do it because it was, it was about more than what, than jo what, let me rephrase that. The reason God needed Jonah to obey him was first off because God wanted Jonah to live into the life that God created for him. 
So when God is calling you to do something, it isn't so that God can just have his way in your life, but when God is calling you to do something, the reason that you want to obey is because God is formulating this plan and this path and this divine order in your life. And when God calls you, the reason we should obey is because it is the abundant life that God has wanted and created for you. You see, God never calls you just so you can have a miserable life. That's not what God does. God is calling you to obey him, to live the life he created you to live, because you're going to see in a moment, it has more far-reaching effects than just your own life. You see, so many times living in 2015 in the United States of America, we have a very individualistic society. And it's all about me. Right? It's what we do. It's all about what can I get more? What can, how can I get my way? Uh, I'm mad because this person doesn't believe the way I believe. Or, or especially like ramping up in politics, right? The election year's coming up. And you're going to hear people say things like, I am going to vote for this candidate because he is just, or he, I can relate to him. They don't say anything like it's going to be better for the country or for the majority of the people. No, because it's all about what you want. That's why people get so mad at each other when it comes to politics, because you're not thinking about other people or about the bigger picture. You're thinking about what you want. But when God calls us to obey, he is saying, I'm calling you to do something great because it's going to affect other people. Jesus says you need to die to your own selfish desires. You need to put away all the things that you want because when God calls you, he is going to bring you into an even deeper experience of life and it may feel like you have to give things up in your life and it may, you may have to change some things in your life, but ultimately the life that God is calling you to live is gonna be better than your wildest imagination. I believe that to be true. So the reason we obey is because God is calling us to fulfill your divine purpose. And the second reason is that by Jonah being obedient and doing what God called him to do, he was being used as an instrument in the hands of God to bring an entire nation or city to repentance. If Jonah, now the way the Bible story is written, if Jonah had continued to flee, if he had not gone to Nineveh, an entire city would have missed out on hearing the message of God's grace and love. Now, if you're anything like me, I would say this. Well, okay, so if Jonah doesn't go, then God would just send someone else, right? Isn't that how we think? But that's not what the Bible tells us. That's not how the story is written. The story is written in such a way that it shows us that had Jonah not gone, an entire city of Nineveh would not have heard the redemptive message of God. And so the question that I want to ask you at this moment is what is it that God is calling you to do and you haven't done it? What is God needing you, well, wanting you to do to cooperate with God in this world so that other people may benefit from your obedience. The story of Jonah is that God has called each one of you to do something for his honor and his glory. Not for your honor, not for your glory, not for your riches, not for your acclaim, but what is God calling you to do that will be a blessing to other people? Now, I want to skip from here to another Bible passage. It's in John chapter 7, right? If you still need a little bit of convincing. 
Let's go to the words of Jesus, because we can't argue with the words of Jesus. John, John chapter 7, page 756 in the, in the Pew Bible in front of you. People are telling Jesus, Jesus, if you're doing all of these miracles, all of these signs, all of these wonders, you have to go, in a sense, and market yourself, show off to everybody who you are so that people can believe and people will be drawn to you. And Jesus says to his disciples, my time has not yet come. So I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. You see, when Jesus and when, rather when God calls you and puts a calling on your life to be a blessing to others, he's not saying for you to do it when it's convenient for you. He's not saying to do it when you think that you are ready to do it, but God and, and Jesus says your time is always here. And sometimes when God calls you to do something, he calls you to do something that sounds impossible. The bigger, the, the more difficult, the more impossible this calling seems to you, then you know that God is placing that in your heart. See, God doesn't place something on your heart to do that can easily be done, right? God places a, a calling on your life so big that you have to rely on God. That is when God works best, I believe, when we give honor, when we give glory, and when we point to God in everything that we do. For Jonah, it seemed impossible that this great city would repent. And yet God does the impossible. Let's look at another verse, page 840. It's, it's 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version but it's pretty close to the NIV. 4, verse 14. So Paul is writing to Timothy, a young man in his 20s probably. He's a, Timothy is a leader of a church, right? He has been called to be a preacher. That was part of his gift, was to speak and to teach. And Paul says this to him, Do not neglect the gift which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. The part that I want you to focus on is do not neglect the gift which was given to you. How many of us in here have been neglecting the gifts that God has placed on your heart? How many of you have been making all sorts of excuses as to why the gift that God has been placed in your life, you aren't using it? See, we don't want an experience like Jonah. Trust me, you don't want an experience like Jonah. There are people in this church that if you ask them, they have gone through this painful experiences of being swallowed by a whale, metaphorically, of course. And they can tell you that you do not want to get to that place. Remember, it's not a punishment that God gave Jonah. It was a time out. <laughs> Spiritual timeout. But it was so that Jonah could come to terms with who God was and how everything is about God and we are just secondary characters in a story about a good God who in the end will show God's self to be just and good. You are a secondary actor in the story that is playing out before all the universe. And so Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift 
that was given to you. And Jesus says, your time is now. And Jonah reminds us that we must be obedient to the call of God, even if you smell like what's inside of a whale, and even if you don't feel ready, and even if your clothes is torn, regardless of all of that, do what God is calling you to do, because it is going to not only be good for you, but it will be a blessing to other people. And if you feel like you have not been rekindling or, or flaming, fanning this flame in 2 Timothy, the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy, I'm not exactly sure how many years or how much time passed, but 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Remember Paul says, this gift, there's a gift that was given to you. Don't neglect it. And then Paul has to remind Timothy in verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. Timothy, gifted speaker, gifted pastor, gifted evangelist, was neglecting the gift that had been placed on him. The gift that had been given to him. Paul has to remind him for him to rekindle that gift. Am I, am I making sense? Am I being repetitive? Yes. Because that's a good learning tool. Repetition helps us to remember. So I'm going to finish the story back in page 654. We're going to finish the story of Jonah now. Verse 5. The Ninevites believed God after Jonah preached to them. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, which was an ancient way of showing that you were sorry, you were repenting, right? So you would take off all of your fancy stuff, and put on sackcloth, sometimes ashes was on your head. That was a way of showing how remorseful and how repentant you were. Verse 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in the dust. And this is the proclamation that the king issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And then this part, this is my favorite part, okay? They, they heard the message of Jonah. The king understands that they have been doing wicked things. They had been doing all kinds of bad things, right? Violence. It talks about violence and bloodshed. If we look at the root word, there's a lot of bloodshed that was happening, so this king knows, I've done something wrong, we have done something wrong, let's repent. And then this is the words in verse 9. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Was he certain that God would forgive them? Was he certain that God would, not, would all of a sudden not destroy them? The king says, who knows, maybe God will relent. You see, so much of our life of faith is a who knows. Sure, we can say that if we do this, then God will do this, but the truth is, is that sometimes some of you have lived lives that are exemplary, that are holy, that are righteous, that, I mean, you, you just are better at doing spirituality than some of us, right? At least we, we think you are, because we only see your public persona. <laughs> but the people who have, been, who have journeyed longer along this path of faith can tell you that just because you surrender and submit doesn't mean that days of pain and darkness aren't going to come in your life. 
So just like the king of Nineveh says, who knows, that is our life of faith. Now, in, in that sense. On the other sense is we, we have the, in the New Testament, we are assured that the Holy Spirit is a seal of our salvation. So we know that when it comes to the big picture of salvation, that God's grace abounds for you. We know that in the big picture of salvation and where we will spend eternity, that God's forgiveness exceeds even our greatest understanding. But when it comes to the day-to-day -day things of life, we're not always sure that things are going to go exactly as we want them. And this is what the king was saying. He goes, who knows, maybe God will relent. And as we come to find out at the end, verse 10 says this, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. So for some of you, the question is that I'm not going to answer. So did God change his mind? <laughs> I'm just going to let you Google and read on that. <laughs> but I will say this. We know that the way the story is written, to ask the question, does God change his mind, is really the wrong detail to focus on. The way the story is written, the writer wants us to understand that God is compassionate. God was compassionate with Jonah when he ran away. God is compassionate with the Ninevites. And God is compassionate with you today. And so maybe you feel like you've been living out of sync and out of harmony with God and the way God wants things to be. And it may be true. The truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we're always off-center off from the way that God wants us to be because we're human and we have that inability to be perfect. But just like Jonah, we can surrender to the will of the God who can control the seas and the seasons, who can control the big fish, and the God who ultimately will be compassionate on you and those whom you interact with. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, um, we like the story of Jonah because it paints these vivid images of a whale and a man being swallowed by a whale. But Father, we know that when we get into the story and into the details, we realize that it's a scary story. Because we don't want to be like Jonah. We don't want you to get our attention by the pain and the suffering. And so my prayer for my brothers and sisters here this morning is that you would give us eyes to see and understanding that the call that you've placed on each one of them is for your honor and your glory and where there is fear in them taking that step of faith, Lord, may you fill them with your spirit so that they would have a holy confidence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.